Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Chris Larson. Chris is the founder and principal of Next Level Income. He has been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years. Uh, While still a college student, uh, he bought his first rental property at age 21. And from there, Chris expanded into development, private lending, buying distressed debt, as well as commercial offices, and has been actively involved in over $1 billion of real estate acquisitions. Chris, can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Gary. And thanks for having me on today. So first and foremost, if you want to learn a lot about my story. You can get a free copy of my book. Talks a little bit more about my story, what we do as far as a value add strategy. Go to nextlevelincome.com and just click on the book link. I even send you a copy. But you know, you did a good job kind of highlighting some things, Gary. I started at 21, like a lot of investors, I started in single family rentals. I thought that was, you know, like the way to go. And I bought a small portfolio of properties. Then I entered the medical device industry because I ran out of capital. I needed to make more money to buy more properties. I put my head down in my career. I had a couple kids, had some issues with my family. My mother passed away. And after you know working in my career for nearly 10 years, I, I popped my head up and I looked, kind of did an assessment of everything in my life. When I realized that great little portfolio that I built over the prior decade was returning about 7% annually. And that was before tax. And long story short, I found a multifamily syndicator and I invested with them and I was end up getting better returns with less work. Sold all my properties, ended up becoming a multifamily investor almost exclusively. As you mentioned, I did some other stuff. And then after a couple of years, we ended up partnering with that same syndicator and we syndicated our first deal. And as you mentioned, we've been, geez, we're going into uh, I think our eighth year now. And we've done about three dozen syndications in multiple different asset classes at this point. That's uh, amazing. Big body work. And you got started much earlier than a lot of these kind of new, you know, you know, I only got into this full time about five years ago. And there's so many yeah. people that have gone into it in the last few years. So it's good to have that, yeah. that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And look, that's the thing. You know, you don't have to make all the same mistakes that I did that you did, right, Gary? That's why I love have being on your podcast here. It's It's a good way to help people shortcut and jump over the mistakes that we made. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk about something unique today. I saw in your bio that you've done some infinite yeah. banking and, yeah. uh, and and for, for a long time. And a lot of syndicators have been kind of, you know, getting into this or at least researching it. 
to take advantage of the benefit. So, you know, talk to me about what attracted you to it and how you utilize it. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up because I have kind of an interesting history with kind of the concept as well as insurance in general. And I talk about like my opportunity fund in chapter three of my book. And what I always talk to investors about is like, what do you do with your money? Is it just sitting in the bank in between deals? And for years, it's like, you know, inflation was low, super low, right? Well, if money's just sitting in the bank and inflation's double digits, like it's been the past couple of years, it's getting just eaten away, right? Like chomp, chomp, chomp. So I was priorly licensed as an insurance agent with State Farm about 20 years ago. I was buying some of those other properties and I was trying to get some sales experience. I also got into the industry because my father died when I was five years old. So I had a very acute awareness of the fragility of life and the importance of life insurance for a family. So I bought policies as I was doing some research. I bought some policies on my wife and I right before my first son was born. Now it's been about 13 years as a tool to grow a college fund for my son because I wanted the ability to grow a predictable amount of money, which had, you know, this type of policy had a guaranteed interest rate. So I knew I had a guaranteed amount of money that was going to be there. I had access to it. I'm not a big fan of qualified plans. I know a lot of people are probably nodding their heads up and down listening because we've discovered we've been fortunate enough to find real estate, which has these great options. I learned that I could use this money for other things along the way. So I started using it for spec homes with my wife, who's an architect, started using it for investing in multifamily deals. And one day my agent goes, wow, Chris, I really like what you're doing with these policies. And he goes, I wish all my clients would do something like this. So why aren't they? So that began the second part of my search, which was how do I optimize these policies? How do I really use them? And I came upon a group that I'm now uh, relicensed and affiliated with. And we put together a concept called the Investment Optimizer. And what we do is we literally focus on specifically structuring these policies for investors, for business owners that want to minimize the cost of insurance and really maximize the utility, the cash value of these. We got a whole video series. We have a white paper on the banking section on my website, but I'm happy to kind of discuss what I've learned and, and how we've really learned to optimize the usage of those here over the past several years. You know, before we started to hit record, you said that your plan is different than others. So I'm curious, what's yeah. the difference? Yeah. So look, the infinite banking concept that Nelson Nash pioneered, you know, decades ago, it's the core concept. Okay. It's the core concept, but infinite banking. And when I started, I heard it was called bank on yourself was like on the radio. And I, I heard about that. And that's great. But if you're an investor, or a syndicator, right? And you need a certain amount of money at a certain time, or you have a certain amount of funds that you want to put in to an investment. Let's say you want to invest $100,000 a year for 10 years was my original plan about a decade ago. We would structure a policy to that number, right? And we provide a lot of flexibility. So, and look, any agent can do this for the most part, but you know, this is how we've kind of structured it and done it for specifically the investors, the business owners that we work with. But it's like we will optimize it for you as an investor versus if you go into your typical agent, they're going to say, okay, how much insurance do you, Gary? A million dollars? This is what it's going to cost. Whereas if you say to me, hey, Chris, I want to invest $100,000 for 10 years, because this is kind of my plan, we'll structure it specifically towards that. Um, the other thing that we do, and again, I kind of trial all this stuff on myself. So I'm a big believer in this policy. We have multiple policies. But what we've done is we have then attached a line of credit so we can utilize a line of credit. We can take all the policies that we're using. We can roll them all up. 
a lot of times we can get interest rates that are significantly less than the insurance companies or other interest rates that are out there. And that means our money and our policies is growing at a compounded rate. We're paying interest on those, but these offset or our money's growing in a compounded fashion. Our interest we're paying is in a simple fashion. And if you take that money and you invest it in a cash flowing asset, like multifamily real estate or other types of commercial real estate or even businesses, then you should be earning a spread. And that means that you know you have access to this. We used it for kind of a COVID cushion, as I call it, a couple of years ago when COVID hit and we were building the house and my medical device business, all surgeries got canceled, rent moratorium. It's like, hey, hey, honey, I don't know if we're having any money coming in for the next three to six months. She's like, well, what are we going to do? I said, no problem. I already already put a couple hundred thousand dollars in our bank accounts from our policies. And it was amazing to be able to do something like that as well. Nice. So for me, I uh, just turned 53. And what I got hung up on when I heard about infinite banking is, is the life insurance piece. And sure. you know, I've kind of built up a, a nice portfolio over time. So I, I, I had term, I didn't really need yeah. more you know, life insurance for my kids yeah. and they'll be set. Yeah. But it's that arbitrage that you've talked about and kind yes. of using it. That's when I really understood the value of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting concept, right? So I think some things I've heard from investors is, well, why would I want to pay to borrow money when I can just get it for free from the bank? Let's not fool ourselves. There's always a cost to capital, right? So whether it's sitting in the bank for free, it's getting eaten away by inflation. It's not earning while it's sitting in the bank. Or if you borrow it, you know what your cost of capital is. So I think it makes us more disciplined as an investor, right? So you say, well, hey, if I have to borrow capital at say 5%, if you're not earning at least 5%, well, just like a business, you should look at maybe a different type of investment. It, should, it keeps you disciplined. The other thing, Gary, is I've had discussions with investors that say, Chris, you know, we buy term and invest the difference. Like that's the way to go. Well, at some point, term becomes unaffordable. And like my mother, got cancer, her term ran out. So she died with no insurance. Okay. So she's like, Hey, Chris, I want to do these things for your boys, but she couldn't do that. She didn't have any insurance. My father fortunately had a policy when he died. He had a little bit of money that helped us pay for college. But I think that's, you know, somebody like yourself, people that are listening to your show, you know, we think big, right? Not only do we want to create generational wealth, but we want to leave a legacy. And unlike almost anything else, life insurance properly structured can help you do that. So I love what you say. You say, I have enough insurance. That's great. But no one ever died or no one ever said, oh, Gary had too much insurance. It was too bad. He had too much insurance. So there's a lot of things you can do that. But again, that's what we do. We optimize that for your, your approach. And then the other thing you can do is you could say, hey, this, you know, let's say you um, aren't in good health. Let's say you're too old. You can use this concept and you don't have to insure yourself. You could even insure like one of your children, for instance, and then you could actually set them up to have that tool that they can then use in their future as well, or even skip generations. It's really wild what you can do. So let's talk about it from a syndicator standpoint. Obviously, yes. we need to show liquidity and net worth for a lender. Have you ever yep. incurred any issues with that? Or Yeah. So now it depends on the lender, okay? It also depends on your track record. So if you've been doing this for a while and you have a lender that knows you and understands that, you know, I've talked to banks and lenders about this. They're like, well, we really don't care where that money comes from. And even like our line of credit that we have, it actually doesn't show on our credit reports. It's a business line of credit. So if that money's in the bank, it's in the bank. You know, anyone can look and say, hey, these funds are in the bank. It's my money, you know, that's there. 
you know, so there are some nuances. You just don't want to go into this with, you know, blinders on and say, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to listen to what Chris said, do this strategy. And then you're working with a new lender and they say, well, we don't, you know, that's, we, we can't recognize that or we're not going to accept it that way. So you kind of have to work. If you're experienced, talk to your, you know, the lenders that you work with, talk to the banks you work with. They may even have a line of credit. They may even recognize the collateral in your insurance policies, you know, as a source of income for that. But just again, make sure you know, test it before you do it. Got it. Yeah. I, you know, I think, yeah, the, as you said that, you know, that relationship with a lender and if you do enough deals they're they're a lot more forgiving they want your business they want to yeah. work with experienced operators yeah. so there's always that flexibility when it comes to that that net worth and liquidity once you do enough deals now in times like these right now when the lending's a little tighter maybe they tighten the screws a little bit more yeah. but typically it's a lot different than you know my last few deals versus my first yeah. few deals you know yeah, absolutely. And I mean, just a real simple example, like when we were getting a loan for our home, the bank said, hey, you need, let's say they say you need $250,000 in cash and reserves or whatever it is, you know, and typically they say, hey, you need to season it for two or three months, right? You can always move that money ahead of time and do that. As long as you know the rules, you're playing by the rules and you're doing that, you know, you don't want to do anything outside the line. So, you know, just make sure, depending on what your situation is, whether you're a builder, single family homes, you know, whether you're you know, borrowing to build your own home, whether you're a syndicator and you're doing a deal, you have to look at that. And we have actually other strategies as well for like business owners, for instance, that need, say, I have a client, he needs like $2 million in cash. And he has, we have a different type of strategy that he utilizes. So he has access to that cash, but it's not just sitting there. That's a big drain having, you know, seven figures sitting there, yeah, just doing nothing in a bank account. Yeah, and as a syndicator, you I mean you need that liquidity. So yeah, it's a it's Absolutely. a good could put it to Absolutely. work. Yeah. What are some of the things to look out for when you're shopping for the right plan, the right administrator? Yeah. So look, again, we're not the only group out there that can do this clearly, but you want to make sure that typically you're working with a mutual insurance company. And the reason is, for instance, like my policies, we have guaranteed minimum. So we have a guaranteed interest rate that we're paid every year. Our guarantee is uh, 4%. Sometimes they're a little lower now. We've, we have some kind of policies that are older, but that might change as well because rates have gone up. So like 3 to 4% is typically what a guaranteed minimum is you're going to see out there. But then you also get to participate in the dividends. And the reason is a mutual insurance company, the policy, the shareholders or the policy holders get to participate. And the thing is, an insurance company, a life insurance company, they have to be profitable to stay in business. And these companies have been paying out dividends you know, the ones we work with for 100, 150 years in some cases, okay? Through good times, through bad times, the Great Depression, Great Recession, all of these things, right? When interest rates are high like they are now, insurance companies tend to make more money. And what they do is they invest in very secure notes, bonds. You know this, Gary. They lend money to people like us that are multifamily syndicators that are out there in secure positions. So they're not out there earning crazy interest rates, but you know, being able to earn, you know, mid-single digit interest rates in a very secure fashion, you know, if their liabilities are covered, then you know, they turn a profit, but that profit goes back to the policyholders in the form of a dividend. You know, so typically a policyholder is not getting that three or four percent, they're getting five or six percent. Um, sometimes even higher than that 
And you can go back and you can look on average. So what I would do, if you're looking at this strategy, I would look and say, okay, what are mutual insurance companies? What are their 10, 20 plus year track records of paying that? And then you also want to work with an agent that understands this concept because you know, here's the challenge. As an agent, you're actually compensated for doing the opposite of what we do. You want to maximize the insurance component and you want to minimize the cash value. That's actually going to it's going to be a smaller premium for the policyholder, but it's going to be a higher cost on average for the insurance. So the agent tends to make a larger percentage commission on that. It's just how the industry works. We flip that over. So we say, hey, we're going to minimize your insurance. So for somebody like you, Gary, that has a bunch of term insurance, it could be a good fit because we minimize the insurance to maximize the cash value and the cost of insurance is also minimized when you do that. So you can ask your agent these questions. Also, I would say, because I've made this mistake, if you work with an agent that only works with one company, you know that's like having an agent that has a hammer and everything's a nail. Whereas we work mm-hmm. with about a half a dozen different insurance companies. So we can say, well, Gary, in your specific circumstances with your specific health and your specific ratings, we may go with a different company than somebody like myself or others. So it kind of depends on that. And then, I mean, look, we're also, we've done quotes and we've looked at policies for other people. You know, we're happy to do that and see if we can provide any value. And if you're already happy with somebody that you're working with, you can take the concepts that we teach, again, that we show in our white paper, that we show in our videos on our website, on the banking section, and you can take those to your agent. And, you know, they, you know, anybody that's trained or understands this, they should be able to structure a similar policy, assuming they're working with the same insurance companies. Nice. And anything else a beginner should know about infinite banking that we, that I didn't ask? I mean, this is going to sound a little cheesy, but frankly, the the sooner you get started, the better if you're going to do it. I mean, we started 13 years ago. And the reason is the cost of insurance is lower and you can put money aside and do that. And here's the thing. It's not an either or. It's not an either or strategy. So if you're going to invest, say, $100,000 a year, you can put $100,000 into your life insurance policy and you can basically invest $100,000 as well. There is a cost. You know, for the it's typically paid in the first couple of years to that, but a well structured policy, someone's going to get investors going to get seventy to eighty percent of their first year capital back out. So look at that cost the first couple of years. Look at the amount in the insurance, and then ask yourself: Is this worth it for this tool? You know, do I need the insurance? Or like you, Gary, you said I, I might not need the insurance. It may not be worth it for you. If it's not worth it, don't do it. I've had single people call me and say, I want to do this strategy. I say, Well, what is your need for insurance? And they say, Well, I don't really have a need for insurance. So well. Why would you do that? So, you know, I think, you know, just be, you know, be cautious, make sure that you're working with somebody that really appreciates your circumstance because this really, it's not for everybody. For people like us that have families that are, you know, investors, it's, it tends to be a good fit, but it's not for everybody. That's for sure. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about infinite banking and telling you a little bit about your story. Where can listeners find out more about you and and your company? Sure. Yeah. Check us out at nextlevelincome.com. You can, check out our podcast there as well. I don't know if our guests are as great as Gary's. You've had some great guests on here, Gary. I'm just kidding. We we try real hard to have some terrific guests. We have our book, which you can get for free on the book link. And then again, the banking section, you can check out and learn about a little bit more about the concepts that we shared here today. Awesome. Thanks so much. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. 
And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week.